Hey y'all, this is Kendall Conrad. I'm talking to Helen Philly, and you're listening to Tales of the Road Warriors. Yo, what freaking day is this? <laughs> How you holding up? Okay, today I have to get real. I usually say this is Hal and Philly and welcome to my podcast, Tales of the Road Warriors. This is your old friend, Hal Cohen, and you're still welcome to my podcast, Tales of the Road Warriors. By the way, that was today's guest, Kendall Conrad, with the introduction. Thank you, Kendall. We had a great talk, really great conversation, so stick around. She's a really fun down-home girl from just outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Okay, first, today I have to talk briefly about this quarantine. I never thought for a second that this self-isolation was just a 14-day, one-and-done kind of situation. 14 days is the amount of time they recommend you stay quarantined after testing positive. Well, a lot of people haven't even gotten a test in the first place. So if you factor in the very large segment of the population that either believed it was just a hoax or just never took it very seriously to begin with and still don't, then this is going to last a lot longer than you may have anticipated. I, along with a lot of my musical brothers and sisters and cousins, you know who you are, are going online and trying to keep up morale by streaming online performances from their living rooms and home studios. Tips are never mandatory, but they're highly appreciated. Now, some may think that it seems a bit tacky to have a virtual tip jar, but consider this. A lot of us have had to cancel many shows. Depending how long this COVID-19 threat lasts, this can amount to thousands of dollars. In fact, for many of us, the money we earn during the summer months has to carry us through the winter when our gigs are limited to the ice and snow cancellations or put on hold due to sports, especially the World Series, NFL, NHL playoffs, the Stanley Cup, the Super Bowl. You see, this quarantine has really put a damper on things, in addition to the challenges we already face. So I'm appealing to you now. This is seriously affecting me and my fellow musicians and other members of the gig economy. So if you have a favorite entertainer doing a concert from home, and they have a PayPal or a Venmo account, please help out with a few bucks if you can. For my virtual tip jar, go to halaaron.com slash payhal. All one word. A uh, little, little play on the words PayPal. I just changed it to payhal. So halaaron.com slash payhal. And the links are on the show notes page for this episode, by the way. Uh, just type in any amount you would like to contribute and then hit the button that says next. In the meantime... I'm working part-time for Shipt, delivering groceries from Target, the local supermarkets, and prescription drugs from CVS. Every time I go out to pick up an order, despite my wearing a mask and gloves and social distancing myself as best as I can from shoppers, many choose to not wear any type of protection whatsoever. No protective gear. And frankly, I'm just a little bit terrified. I saw one guy who not only had on a surgical mask and latex gloves, but he was also wearing a black t-shirt, and on the back, in big white letters, it read, Back Up! Exclamation point. If you're able to contribute to my virtual tip jar, whether it's for my music or in support of the Tales of the Road Warriors podcast, that may very well keep me from having to go out on a delivery that may very well be my last. Of course, a lot of you are in the same boat trying to stay afloat. Yours may even be taking on more water than mine. To you, I say just tune in for the entertainment and enjoy the variety of music and comedy we are streaming your way. 
Now back to our regular scheduled program. Although Kendall Conrad appeared on MTV and sang a duet on stage with Keith Urban, We Were Us, and featured on Keith Urban's website as one of his favorite Raise Em Up tour moments, I didn't bring it up in the conversation. But I included links to other resources where she talked at length about it. This conversation has stuff you won't find anywhere but in Tales of the Road Warriors. Despite Kendall having shared the stage with quite a who's who of country artists, including Blake Shelton, Charlie Daniels Band, Chris Lane, Trace Atkins, and Phil Vassar, among many others, she's open to conversation is very easy to talk to and has a notable quick wit. A slightly dry but keen sense of humor, so all that's left to do is bring you into my conversation with Kendall Conrad. Okay, so this is what I'm going to do. I decided to just break it down right from your homepage and your bio and just go like, just go through it. You start out with hello, uh, or hi, my name's Kendall. If you think this is going to be just another country girl singing since inside the womb, has a charmingly sweet voice, loves puppies, and hanging out with friends, you'd be sadly and terribly mistaken. My guitar is my best friend. Okay, so now, I get the whole guitar is my best friend thing, but you don't love puppies? No, I mean, it seems like if you go on these up-and-coming girls in the industry, it's like all of their bios and their Instagrams, it's like they're all kind of the same. Um, And it's like, loves, you know, adorable dogs, and it's like pictures of them in like these cute sundresses, and like, I don't know, it's just, it's all very cliche of what I feel like people who don't listen to country music think that females in country like are kind of thing. And it's like, it all fits into that cliche of like me and my boots and my sundress holding a dog um, on a porch. And it's (laughs) it's just, it's very cliche. So I just wanted to get that to to like acknowledge that cliche and then completely remove it. Gotcha. But you you do like dogs, right? I'm not a big animal person, no. No, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. I, I just pictured you like with like on a farm with goats and sheep and a cow and chickens and dogs well, and cats. We have we have chickens, and my sister um, bought a goat that my mother takes care of, named Lacey, um, because my sister's at college and the goat stays here um, at home with us in Pottstown. Um, and then I used to have my own horse, actually, that I used to ride when I was a kid. So it's not that I, like, hate animals. It's just not, I don't know, it's not my thing. It's not something that's important. Is, is your favorite book, like, Pet Cemetery? Come on, admit it. <laughs> I know oh, you well, like yeah, Stephen I, King. I love Stephen King. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, so then you go on to say, I like to be by myself, but I hate being alone. Drink coffee at midnight. Don't wear my heart on my sleeve but because I've got it in the palm of my hand. So now... Why are you holding your heart in the palm of your hand? You know, it, it does its best work in your chest cavity, right? That's very true. You have a mental catalog of every person who ever upset, hurt, or wronged me. To the boy who dropped his PB&J on my lap and ruined my white pants in the fifth grade, you know who you are and know I haven't forgiven you. Whoa. Okay, <laughs> but that's that's the Taylor Swift connection right there. Is it? 
Well, you know how she like <laughs> writes about every guy that every wrong that she makes it part of her next album. Mm-hmm. I mean, so. I argue that some of that is fictional. I'm her. sure. Uh, yeah, sure. She takes poetic licenses. I think a lot of her um, revenge songs that are, you know, supposedly about people she dated. I think she just says that, which I think is cool because it gets everyone talking about her. How many guys has she dated? How many guys have broken her heart? I don't think there are many. I think she's kind of used the narrative that the media has created about her and like used it to make money, which I think is really cool. That's a good observation. I first like was aware of her when I was on in the MySpace days. Oh, me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> That's so funny. Don't worry, I never exact vengeance in real life. I settle for living vicariously through the most gory, graphic, bloody horror movies I can lay my eyes on. You want to elaborate on that a little bit? I'm just a horror fan. So um, I was a theater major. Um, an English double major at her sinus college. And I wrote a, it was like a 110 page paper on violence in theater through the lens of Sweeney Todd, the musical. Um, And so I looked at like when it was created in like the 1800s and how you weren't allowed to stage violence. And then I went all the way up to the Sondheim uh, musical and how it's just like, we stage everything now. And I just I've always liked the horror genre since I was a kid. I'm not really sure why. So, um, But writing that paper was really fun. So I wound up uh, graduating with honors in theater thanks to that paper. So that was pretty cool. Wow. So, uh, so you're, you're very literate. I, I noticed that right away about you. So Yeah, I like, I like to write, and especially all the original music that I put out. Like I've co-written or, you know, by myself have written all of it. Just because I have a lot to say, I'm not really interested in using other people's words. I like to write everything myself. Okay, now you say also that you think that the best present, uh, the best present that you can give someone is your favorite book. Yes. Let's say you wanted to give somebody you really love a lot or like a lot your favorite book. What are what are some of the these gifts they might expect from you? Oh, for me, it would be Tess of the D'Urbervilles. I think that's my favorite book of all time. Have you read that one? No. It's Thomas Hardy. It's it's so good. Oh my god, I just that's like my untoppable favorite is that, novel. Is that of all romance time. or is that fiction like horror? It's, or? it's <laughs> so it's about it's about this girl that goes to live with her cousin. And it's like, it was written, I forget when it was written, the 1800s maybe. So it's like a gothic novel Ah. kind of. Um, And she's raped by her cousin and gets pregnant and gives birth to this baby. And then it dies. And it's just like how she's this like scarred kind of woman that no one wants anything to do with because she had sexual relations outside of marriage. But it like wasn't her fault. And it's just like how she struggles her whole life. And like, I don't want to give away the ending for anyone who hasn't read it. Yeah, no, it, because you, 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 if you're going to give it as a gift to somebody, they're going to find out how it ends anyway. Right. I know. It's so good. But it's just so good. I hate when that happens when you do but, <laughs> but I also love Stephen King. So I, the other, I would give any Stephen King novel. And I think my favorite one is Needful Things. So it would be either of those two. I got really into Stephen King. Years ago, back when, like, the, in the Shining days. And, oh, yeah, I've, that's a good one. And Nicholas Sparks, which is kind of a weird choice, but... Nicholas Sparks? Really good. Yeah, for romance. Mm. 
how many colors of cowboy boots do you own now? <laughs> Just I'm not sure. I don't think I have orange. Okay. I noticed you like the real sparkly kind, the gold and the silver rhinestone yeah. and, and sparkles. Yeah, so I have a pair that has, like, it, I think it's like a falcon on the front in, like, yellow and orange like rhinestone but like the boot itself is black so i don't know if that counts mm, okay <laughs> now this is one one thing i did want to talk to you about okay you say that you try to imagine what your future husband's doing at this very second and you play out this whole scenario in your mind about poetically meeting in one of those cozy coffee shops inside a bookstore I know there's one in the Chamonix Mall, just, just for the record. <laughs> uh, while I'm sitting there in a lace dress reading something very intellectual like War and Peace, and he'll smile and ask to sit with me and will fall in love like the characters in a Nicholas Sparks novel. And this is what I want to say to you. Girl, don't put detailed instructions online on how to win your heart. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? Well, because one day you're going to be sitting at midnight reading Nicholas Sparks or, or, or some book from Barnes & Noble, and you're going to look up, there's going to be like a line of 10 guys with a cup of coffee in their hand going, do you mind if I join you? Well, I've, I've had that in my bio for probably years, and that has yet to happen. Oh, okay, that's good. Well, see, guys should take a hint. You know, it reminds right? me, like, yeah. <laughs> well, years ago... There was a book called How to Pick Up Girls by Eric Weber, I think like mm -hmm. 1968. And I looked online for it because you, you kind of prompted me to check into that. Is Copies it still of around? this book in paperback now go for 75 bucks. It's high, I saw one copy as high as $435. So it's like a collector's item. Wait, so have you read it? I read it way back then, and I can't remember much about it except I remember one thing, and it stuck with me for all these years because oh, it was no. so practical <laughs> and it was so obviously foolproof. And I remember thinking, now this guy's a genius. Okay. <laughs> okay. It was either chapter three or four. And you, uh, uh, like every guy listening to this, this is great advice I want to give you. Cha it was either chapter three or four. Uh, and it said, uh, where to meet girls. And it was just like one or two sentences. It said, uh, read all the most popular women's magazines like Cosmo or Glamour, or Playgirl, and look for articles that tell them where to meet men, and go there. Okay. Right? That's very, yeah, that's very simple. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, that's true. It's like just, just real practical, real-world advice. Yes, that's true. Fine. I wonder if it's, has it worked for you? Well, actually, yes. Really? But I'm 67, so I have like a really long track record. Okay, but it's worked. Yes, that's why I'm, that's why I'm like, sharing one of life's best secrets there you go <laughs> just find out where the women tell each other where to beat men and just go there find you know that's very it's simple really exactly so in your bio you're listed as a singer an actor a published writer and a, an award-winning songwriter you left one thing out yeah one hell of a performer Oh, yeah, thank you. you. Know, yeah, well, in, in looking at some of your videos, it's obvious you got the chops. Oh, thank so. you so much. That means a lot. Thank you. I asked myself it would if it would be cool if, like, I got some songs cut and all I ever was was a songwriter. And the answer is no. 
like that would not be enough for me. I just I really like being on stage and performing for people. So it's funny you say that because I always had the opposite problem. I would, always was concerned that I wasn't good enough as a songwriter, and I'll always be relegated to just playing covers. Really? So you write? Yeah. No way. Do you have anything out? No. Oh. <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I don't. Let's see. Do I, have, I? I guess I have a few YouTube videos. I never made a CD, mm-hmm. but I showcased, play live a lot, mm-hmm. and I just, uh, I don't know. I just never did. I just never made that step. I, Interesting. Um, it's almost tragic, but I'm not. I'm not here to talk about me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry to hear that. You should try it again. I think my lot in life has always been to just sort of like be the curator and find people and introduce them to others that they would benefit knowing, meeting, or just knowing about. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll give you a perfect example. Years ago, when I was hosting this open mic and showcase in California, this girl or woman came to, she had written me an email and said, Dear Mr. Cohen, you know, my name is Casey Jones, and I you know, want to audition for your showcase. And uh, so I wrote back, you know, just um, I'm there at the club at so such and such a time, just come in. So I was there setting up. She wanders in and she goes, oh, if, if I knew you were a musician, I wouldn't have wrote Dear Mr. Cohen. So, <laughs> so anyway, but Casey, um, the reason I'm bringing her up is you wrote a song called... Um, I just went blank on it. About the boy. Uh, uh, every boy. Um... Oh, was it on YouTube? Yeah. Yes, I wrote that one years ago. I think it's called When It Comes to Boys. Yeah, When It Comes to Boys. And like the punchline is when it comes to boys, the thing that's wrong with them is girls. Right. And Casey had a song called Every Guy I Love is Either Married, Gay, or Dead. <laughs> that's funny. Well, in my in my experience, that's kind of always been the case with me. Like anybody who I have any interest in is interested, either interested in someone else or already has someone else. So that song is like, it's like was funny when I wrote it, but it was also like true. But I was thinking you might want to pursue that, that comment, because you have that sense of humor. You might want to pursue that. I do. Like, and I, I feel like I have a very dry sense of humor that people don't, sometimes get like um but i also feel very dramatic which is the music that i make like leader of the pack um right. i wanted that to be very dramatic and i have another kind of dance track that i want to put out next and um that one although it's a dance track the lyrics and the vibe of it is like very dramatic so with my music i tend to be i want to be more dramatic than funny if that makes any sense Oh, believe me, you got to make that choice early on. You got to yeah. know whether you want to be funny or not. See, that's my problem. In fact, you just asked me, you know, why why haven't I ever really come out as a, as an artist myself? I've had that problem where I can't separate them. So, I'll do a gig and I'll start with a couple funnier songs, mm-hmm. and then when I go to play a serious one, they're still laughing. Well, Cause yeah, because ex- it's like you set the tone now. Yeah, so now I yeah. try to do it the other way around. I do this, the more serious ones early on, and then mm-hmm. I go into the more fun stuff, and it works better that way. But it's still, people ask me what kind of stuff I do. It's too hard. People want you to be in one category or niche or another. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and not, have like one I, thing. Yeah, I can't yeah, give them I a straight answer to that. And that's yeah. what has always 
has always See, so like in the way. beginning when I first started writing songs, like they were kind of like funny and quirky. But then like as I continued writing, I realized that that's not what I wanted to be. Like it's very weird. <laughs> yeah. You in a racing? You said, I think you mentioned NASCAR. Um, I did the anthem once for NASCAR in Dover, Delaware. Um, and I was like so excited about it. And it, it was televised on ESPN. And we we get there and we get to the track. And it's like, it's either already raining or it's like starting to drizzle. And it was like supposed to pour. And like I was supposed to sing outside on the track. Uh-huh. And I remember everyone had umbrellas. And it was supposed to be this really cool, fun thing. And like it was so gloomy and wet. And I remember standing under this umbrella and being like, I waited months to do this. And it's like going to pour. At least you have the umbrella. (laughs) It's just like you you book these like really cool things and you have this vision in your head of what it's going to be like, you know, the the day and when you get there. And like there's so many things that like go wrong and that happen that you have to deal with. Like like I remember I did this show in Iowa, the state of Iowa with uh, Chris Lane. I get to the sound check after like we had a delayed flight. And then we got a rental car and then we, from the Minneapolis airport, we drove three hours to this place. We get there for sound check. And for some reason, I plug in my iPod to play my tracks for my set. The audio jack in my iPod is broken. It will not work. It has all of my tracks on it for my set. And yes, I play guitar and do a couple songs acoustic. But like for my original music, I have my tracks and I start to like panic. So I have to go back to my hotel room and download, find all of these instrumental tracks, hopefully in my email that I sent to myself, which thank God I did, oh, and great. put them all on my phone. So I played my entire set for this show from my phone. And I was just like, thank God that I had these tracks. But that was, I almost had a meltdown. I can relate. And with, with me, I, I, it was like a wedding or I forget, some kind of big party that that I was hired to do. I have all my tracks also on a little iPod, and I had taken it out of my bag for something, I forget, and I never put it back in. And I showed up to the party without it. I had nothing. I had to do the entire oh. party acoustically. Fortunately, <gasps> no. Yeah, but fortunately oh for me, I made it work. I just said, you know what? Went into a whole other mindset, and I just said, I'm, they don't know that I have these tracks on my iPod, so I'm just mm-hmm. going to act like this is how I do my parties. Oh, and, that's uh, smart. I did, did it, you know, and you can create sort of like a rhythm or a backbeat. And sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it could be like a blessing in disguise to to just to be forced into that kind of situation. Yes. It worked mm-hmm. out great. Worked out fine. Yeah. I mean, you can you can learn and grow from that kind of thing. But it's also scary at the same time. Oh, scary as hell. Because it's like, again, it's like for the big stuff, it's like you prepare for it and you look forward to it and stuff like that happens. So, I mean, I've had so many like, I think we were supposed to, we drove to this concert, this PGA concert I was opening for uh, Thompson Square and Parmalee. And we were just going to drive like the six hours or seven, eight hours to Ohio. And so we get this rental car and we get it and the check engine light comes on like 30 minutes into the drive and we're like, ah, it'll go away. And I'm, I'm with my parents and uh-huh. we keep driving and it just doesn't 
doesn't go away. So like 40 minutes in, we turn around and drive back to the rental car place and they have to give us an entirely new car. So good thing we, we did that because there was something wrong with the rental car. Oh, they man. Well, but it's, it's like good. stuff like that you can't prepare At least it happened for. early enough for you to have, you know, dealt with it's, it. Right. But, I mean, it's just stuff like that is scary, especially when it's, I don't know, it's like the bigger things that stuff like that always seems to seems to happen. It's like you play it cool and hopefully it gets resolved. So that so- was a little scary. I, I bet it was. Now, yeah. Now, earlier you mentioned you sung the national anthem, but in your resume or bio, it says that you sung for the MLB, the NBA, the MMA, NASCAR, and NBC's national dog show. So are you like a professional national anthem singer? I mean, I should add that to my bio. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> Singing the anthem is scary. And it gives me anxiety because it's a lot of pressure and it's a cappella. So if you yeah. start like in a key that's a little bit higher or a little bit lower, you're kind of stuck singing it the whole song in that key. And I remember one time I started it in a key that was like I knew that when I hit and the rockets, yeah. it was going to be so high that it was I was and I belt that and I was like in my head I'm like oh my god <laughs> yeah it's almost like if you don't belt it you won't hit it you have to belt it to hit you that have note. to yeah and so like I I went into it and I think I some I somehow got through it but like my throat hurts so because I was like belting at this really high key that I obviously did not want to sing it in but <laughs> I've done it so many times now that I I think like I've perfected it it's just a great way to to sing in front of a lot of people that's it's tough. You have to like, it's really, and then you have to have like footage of yourself singing it at a big event. And it's, yeah. It's oh, just with my tough. video editing skills, I could fake that big time. <laughs> They'd never know the difference. <laughs> That's so funny. That's true. That's true. And then until they reach out to like whatever event you said you sung it at, you're like, hey, did Hal sing Yeah, right. Me? And they're like, no. <laughs> and then you'd be screwed. I, I could edit myself into being on stage next to Jimi Hendrix while he's playing it, <laughs> singing along with his version. Oh, and my that would gosh. Be very you, you are what's wrong with the industry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would never do that. I'm just saying I could. <laughs> well, no, I'm sure people do that, right? Oh, yeah. That, yeah, that kind of thing is what – you're right. That is what – what's wrong with the industry the yeah, fact that it's but, become so easy to fake having talent but i mean I, that some of those people get ahead so maybe like we should consider doing that <laughs> fortunately for you you don't have to um as a matter <laughs> maybe of fact i'm doing it wrong i don't think you're doing anything wrong okay you <laughs> open for blake Shelton. i'm gonna go down this list here blake shelton charlie daniels band now he's old enough to be my grandfather he was so cool was he yeah he talked to me I mean, I forget how long it was, but it was a very long time he talked to me before I opened the show. Like, I went back and sat with him. Like, he was so cool. Nice. Yeah. So then Chris Lane mentioned Trace Atkins, Adam Doliak, Devin Dawson, Drew Baldridge, Alabama, Walker Hayes, Phil Vassar. How old were you when you started? 12? (laughs) Okay, so I think my my first ever opening act for a national headlining act was Phil Vassar and I think I was 18 and it was at the uh, Music Fest Cafe in Bethlehem Pennsylvania and I remember was that the Blues Festival or something no they they have a uh, it's a performing arts venue 
near the steel stacks in Bethlehem. And it's called the Music Fest Cafe. And, and Phil was playing there. And I just remember begging the woman who at the time did the booking to like, let me play. And I had no experience opening for a big crowd, like with a set <laughs> at all, but I like begged them to let me play. And then when I finally got booked, I was like, actually, am I qualified to do this? <laughs> and so I remember I went and did it. And I, I think I had like 20 minutes and it was just me and my guitar and I did it. And like nothing went wrong at that show. So it kind of gave me, uh, it gave me the confidence to like want to book more shows like that, which is right. really cool. In your conversation with uh, Missy Wolf uh, of Center Stage Magazine, mm-hmm. she was she was like really asking you to dig in deep about you know when you got on stage with Keith Urban and she was talking about the whole fangirl experience and and you mentioned that once you are on stage you become like one another person. Yeah, like, that's and what I, it feels I, like. I've experienced that too. Like I like David Bowie. He's a real soft-spoken guy, but he gets up on stage and he's like Starman, and I'm I'm that same way. <laughs> yeah, and so I can relate to what you're saying. Like it's it's like almost like a transformation, and you can feel it come over you. Mm-hmm. And no matter how nervous you are going in, and sometimes you can't even talk to me for a week before a gig, even if it's a little <laughs> stupid gig. I just get all anxious. But yes. once I once I hit the first chord or sing the first note, I'm fine, and mm-hmm. I, I become another person well i think a a part of it is not being yourself you know what i mean like you're putting on a show it is a a performing the performing part of you that is the artist has to come out or else it's just like you getting up on stage you know what i'm saying i feel like there's a part of you that's like it's aware that you're creating another version of yourself when you're doing that that's kind of how i look at it it's it's you but it's also not you and because you do what you do, do you find in social situations that you still feel just a little bit apart from the crowd? Do you because, feel that way? Yeah. Because I do too. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. That's a strange, whoa. Yeah, well, I do feel that way. Was it you that I read, like at a party, you're like the one sitting like uh, just on your phone, just sort of like yes. kind of in, in your own little world? Yeah. I've probably written that somewhere. Yeah, I just, I don't. I don't know how to act. Like, I know how to act if I'm there performing. Like, I know what that is, but I don't know how to, like, be. Right, like, yeah, if you're not hired me. as the entertainer and you're you're just one of the guests, like, you don't know how to be just one of the guests. Right. <laughs> yes, that's, a, so, that's so funny, but it's also true. Like, it's comical to, to, like, say that, but it's like, what are you supposed to do when you're not, like, hired to be there? I don't know, Kendall. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'd rather be, it's like, I'm more comfortable if it's like, I'm the hired, I'm the hired act. Like, that's so weird. Right. And but then, and yeah. another thing at parties too, I, I noticed with me, if I'm not hired to be there, I'm just a guest. I still feel guilty eating the food. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yes. That's so true. And it's like, and even when they offer it to you, they're like, have some whatever. And I'm like, oh, like I'm dying to try it. But I'm like, ah, but I can't. Yes, that's so funny. The guilt over eating their food. Yep. Yeah. Unless it's a party where like you brought something and then you, like th- that, <laughs> <laughs> then you feel okay. Well, I brought something so I can have and then, somebody but else's. Do you, do you wind up eating, only eating the thing that you brought? Yeah, sometimes. 
<laughs> you're like, well, I brought this. This is safe for me to eat guilt free. Right. And also you made it. it because you, you brought it because you like it. <laughs> yes. Yes. But also like, actually, like you, the thing that you brought, it's like, well, if there's nothing there that I can eat, I know that I like this. Right. <laughs> it's also like a safety net. Yeah, you know what else I bring to parties to that nobody else ever brings? Bottled mm-hmm. water because they have like a whole thing of soda and booze and Ooh, I never, never even thought about that. Bring water, so I, see. I always bring like a dessert. Like I'll bring like a cake from Giant. Yeah, that's always a safe bet. Yeah, because then it's like, well, if I can't eat anything, I can eat this chocolate cake. For the longest time, for parties, I always used to make a batch of homemade Rice Krispie treats. You can't oh, go. That's awesome. They go fast. That's a great idea. You can't go wrong. Mm-hmm. They're so bad for you, but everybody loves them. Yeah, I mean, well, it's a solid party choice. Thank but you. But the, the bottled water thing is a good idea also. Yeah, it makes a good mix, but it's also practical. Yeah. Nobody thinks to bring it, but everybody wants some water at some point. <laughs> That's true. Well, if you're really desperate, you could just ask for, like, a cup and drink out of the tap, I guess. Mentioned um, your sister's basketball practice. So you have... Obviously, have a sister, and she's into sports. Yes, I do. I have two sisters. Are they both in into sport basketball players? They used to both play basketball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about you? Are you athletic or pretty much the musician in the family? I actually, I think I, I joined. I'm trying to think of when I joined it. I used to play basketball, which is how they both got into it because I started playing first. How and tall I was are you? Like, how tall am I? Not very tall. I was like, I'm five. Four, maybe. Yeah, I, th- I didn't think you were real tall. <laughs> um, but, like, when I was a kid, when I first joined the league or whatever, I was, like, the foul shoot champion. Like, I made 25 out of 30, like, foul shots in this foul shoot contest that they had. I don't know how. I have the medal to prove it in case anyone thinks I'm lying. I was, like, 12. I forget how old I was. but um, And that was the beginning and the end of my <laughs> basketball career. Yeah, I would. So, I tried out for like a softball, baseball or softball, I forget, when I was mm-hmm. really little. And I really sucked, and I was the bench warmer. And my <laughs> little brother, he's like a year and nine months younger than me, was like, he had the gene. He could do no wrong. He just knew what to do. He could hit home runs. He could field everything. So mm-hmm. the entire basement, uh, rec room, the recreation room in our house was filled with trophies and of his. And me, I was like the artistic one. So my mother mm-hmm. just had like a whole gallery of pictures of me with the guitar, you know, on my, yeah, my face yeah. that the guy in the mall drew. <laughs> the, the, uh, the <laughs> See, we all we all have our own uh, our own talents, right? That's right. Well, I think the moment that I quit basketball was like the the school team was like concerned that I'd have to go to choir practice more often than basketball practice and they like made me pick so i picked choir ah good choice yeah it's not funny it is funny so um one last thing you were an extra in a film silver linings playbook and you can be seen bumping in a bradley cooper so did you get to talk to him at all they yelled at us before and they were like do not approach the actors do not speak to the actors do not give the actors eye contact, like this whole thing. And so it's like they picked me and two other girls 
to be in this like where he walks into the ballroom and we had to be exiting or whatever. So obviously there's downtime in between takes and we're standing there with him. And then he just starts talking to us. Uh-oh. And and <laughs> like, obviously we answer cause like he's talking to us, but he was like really cool and not a jerk at all. He's from um, Pennsylvania. Cause of course he's cool. Yeah, he was awesome. And he was like asking us about ourselves and like what we did and blah, blah, blah. And like he was talking to the one girl and it was her birthday or something in the next week. And like, yeah, he like was really cool. So, yeah, yeah, he did talk to us. Yeah, Bradley's a homeboy. Of course he's going to be cool. So you didn't get in any trouble for answering him? No. So they like scared us and then he was like super chill. Oh, did you watch, um, because I know you're a Stephen King fan. His son, Joe Hill, who wrote Lock and Key. Have you seen that yet? Is it on the thing on Netflix? Yeah. I haven't watched it, but I didn't know that he like was involved in that. So Joe Hill is Stephen King's son. Yeah, I know. And I've read uh, Horns and another thing that he wrote. So I, so you haven't watched Lock and Key yet. I started but I have not watch watched it. that one, no. Yeah. Is it good? My friend DJ loves it. And I just had a hard time getting into it myself hmm. because... Um, it's sort of like, to me, it was like, it meets The Shining. Except okay. instead of a clown, it's, it's got this, like, you know, this big, horrible creature. But, I mean, I'll, Stephen I'll King's your dad, that's a, hard, that's a hard act to follow. But, I mean, Horns was really good. Was it? I haven't read yeah, that either. Yeah, the book was very good. I think I watched the movies with Daniel Radcliffe. Oh, is it really? Okay. Mm-hmm. That sounds like it could be promising. It's an interesting concept. You have to check it out. All right. So anyway, let me ask you this. Since this is Tales of the Road Warriors, and you, you did mention that you have so many stories, one or two that uh, came to mind immediately when you heard my podcast. There were two uh, like a horrible stories and then one really good one as far as like on the road stuff. So the one was me getting stuck in Detroit airport during like a nor'eastern trying to get back to uh, Pottstown for a gig. So I was like in Nashville um, where I have a place and um, I was flying home to try and play this gig and it was this massive, huge snowstorm. So we're sitting at the Nashville airport. It must have been like four hours and it's like a blizzard. And finally they get cleared the planes to leave. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm actually going to like make it home. So we board the plane in Nashville. We fly to my layover airport, Detroit. And then in Detroit, they're like, all flights into Philly are canceled. And I'm like, I start to like panic a little bit because they're not sure if they're going to have any flights back to Nashville either, because the storm apparently got worse. So I'm in Detroit alone like with no bags or anything because all I have is my backpack. Like I'm just flying home. And so I think I called my dad like, and I was crying in the Detroit airport and it was so bad. And then finally they were like, Oh, we got cleared to fly back to Nashville. So I literally paid to fly myself to Detroit and fly back to Nashville. Um, and it it literally took like nine hours and I, I had to cancel my gig obviously. So I like lost all this money oh, and then, and then paid for this pointless flight. And I was so upset and angry, but that was like terrible. So that was but like the it, bad one. It just dawned on me that 
Nashville and Detroit are like, isn't Detroit like the opposite direction if you're going to Potts? Well, I guess it's north. So it just gets me north. Yeah, just to I don't go know. back south. That's what I mean. It's like that. It's almost like it's, out of yeah. your way. It's taking you out of your way. Yeah, I don't know. That's where so, my layover. It's either Detroit or Atlanta is the layover. Um, and that day it was Detroit, and I was stuck in Detroit. <laughs> um, and I was like panicked. I was like alone. I was like, what the heck am I going to do now? And then there was obviously because of the storm, there's other people in the airport. Like everyone is panicking or crying or freaking out. So it was not a good place to be. Like no one is calm around me. Everyone is having a panic attack. You're bringing um, the whole so, airport down with you, huh? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it was like it was so bad. And then there was a good one is actually recently my mom and I um, took like a day trip and we flew to Boston and I sang the anthem for Harvard men's basketball and we literally did it in a day. So we woke up in the morning, we flew to Harvard, did the anthem and then we like hung around downtown Boston and like got this amazing Italian meal, saw some like sights and things and then went back to the airport, flew home and did it in a day. And that was pretty fun. And I think that was when the playoffs were going on because, like, they had these huge uh, screens in the Boston airport where they were, like, showing the game. So we actually got to watch some of the playoffs in the airport. And it was, like, it was all around, like, really fun. And nothing really, nothing really, like, went haywire on that trip other than, like, our flight was delayed an hour coming back into Philly for some reason. I don't even remember why. But other than that, that trip was really fun. Good ones. Did it ever land somewhere and your guitar didn't land with you or anything? Thing like, well, you did have that one incident with the uh, with the iPod. No, like I I don't ever check my guitar. Like I always bring I my bring guitar with carry you. on. Yeah. yeah, I have never checked it. And um, even if there's not room in the overhead, like they'll do that. You can put the valet tag on it and they'll put it underneath the plane and you can get it on the jet bridge or whatever. Um, but I never. I never bag check it, like, ever. Good choice. Uh, the reason I ask is because I, ha- I do want to do an episode uh, eventually where I talk about, you know, tragedy with, with guitars and whatnot, because I do know people who have had those kind of experiences. Yeah, I, one of my other friends from Nashville was saying he was touring with someone, and they didn't put the slack in the strings on their guitar like they didn't like loosen oh, them right. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Them. And like, and they put in the overhead or the underneath the plane or whatever. And they deplaned and got the guitar back. And like, because the strings were so tight, like the bridge of the guitar, like snapped. And I was like, Oh wow. my God, I would die. Like the whole like neck was like broken because all the strings like snapped the bridge off. It was like, he was like, the guitar was destroyed Holy from the, cow. I guess the tension from being up in the air. And so now every time I go on a flight, I, I loosen those strings because I think of him. I'm like, that is never happening to me. Do you have any endorsements from uh, any guitar company or anything or strings? No, nothing, nothing, nothing like yet. professional or, or official, but um, Martin guitar is really, really awesome. And they make an amazing instrument. And I, they're uh, based in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Yeah, have you done the tour? Um, I have not done the tour. I've played their stages, but I've never done the tour. Yeah. I, I, every have time you? I do a, a, a gig up in Lancaster, that area, when I, I always think maybe I should, I should jump off the Nazareth exit and take the tour. But I'm always too tired by the time I'm passing that. Yeah, where, so you haven't done it either. 
No, I haven't done it yet. Everyone says it's great. Yeah, I, I, I have a lot of friends who've done it, you know, and I always, you know, every time I hear the song, you know, pulled in a Nazareth, and I'm like, oh, I want to go to, to the t- Martin guitar one, tour. One day, eventually, we'll do it. Yeah. We'll both go. All right, well, we'll do a little uh, excursion. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because uh, everyone just says it's it's so cool to get to see the guitars and how they make them. And... So what are you working on now? What uh, What's coming up? So I'm still promoting the first two singles that I put out, um, Leader of the Pack and Come to Your Senses. So those are on Spotify, Apple, all that good stuff. I have a couple concerts coming up that I'm opening for that I can't talk about yet because they haven't announced them. Not solidified. Okay. Yes. So hopefully I can post those in the next couple weeks, I hope. (laughs) Well, this Um, this episode won't be out probably until... Before that, you know, shortly before that, if you wanted, like, let me know so I could put the link up for you in time. Yeah, this is fun. Thank <laughs> you so much for having me on. Oh, it's my pleasure. Cool. So, so it should be good. All right. And Can't I wait to hear it. And I'll, I'll repost and yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was, I had a great time and I can't wait to uh, get this out to the world. Yeah. I can't wait to, to listen to it. So, oh, and I'll send you the, uh, the MP3s too. Okay. Great. Thanks, Kim. Cool. All right. I'll talk to you later. You come to So what did I tell you? That's one cool little lady, huh? All right, well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Kendall Conrad. And uh, if you want to read the show notes or look at the links and check out some more of her music, go to talesoftheroadwarriors.com slash Kendall dash conrad she spells it k-e-n-d-a-l dash conrad c-o-n-r-a-d kendall conrad all right and uh we've man i've got some cool guests coming up uh in the following weeks i'm sorry about the um lack of consistency i used to put out an episode every thursday i decided to change it to fridays and then with this whole covid thing uh, I had to start working again, so I've been putting in a lot of hours, and I'm not getting as much time to do the podcast as I as I had hoped. So if you j- get on the mailing list, you'll be notified whenever a new one's coming up. So uh, I've got Henry Phillips coming up. I have Ezra Mohawk, uh, Teddy Barron. So um, stick around and uh, be my fan, and I'll I'll see you next time. Stay safe and stay healthy. And stay home. I'm not going for a drive today, but I'm still going to play this song. Yeah, I'm going for a drive.